Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the Sports Squire. Welcome to Sports Squire Radio. I'm your host, Brad Howell. I'm a former collegiate athlete, exercise enthusiast, and physical therapist in the realm of orthopedics and sports rehab over the last decade. Episode 25. Today we're here with Coach Duggar, Martinsville High School here in Indiana. Uh, also, my brother-in-law, uh, somebody that I have an opportunity to share my passion with sports with, and he's got a lot of really good insights that we're going to dig into today, and I really wanted to bring him on to really get a, a coaching insight and get a different perspective for all of you out there on just, number one, what it, what it means to, to be a, a coach. He's got a lot of experience. Um, I'll let him kind of dig into it a little bit, but he was offensive coordinator at Southport High School for several years. Uh, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and was also a, a student assistant under Terry Hepner. Uh, God rest his soul, the late Terry Hepner, who was, um, you know, IU football coach who who passed away of cancer some years ago. Uh, but Brian's got a great uh, acumen for football, but he also has a great acumen for developing young men and uh, does a great job with connecting with people. So with that said, Brian Duggar, welcome to the show, man. Hey, glad to be here. I don't know if I'm going to bring much to your show, but I'll do my best for you, buddy. <laughs> hey, oh man, I, I appreciate uh, you coming on, and uh, you know I appreciate you know just the, the short notice as well. You know, for some of you out there, I know you might be expecting you know to listen to Jake. He'll be coming on you know here next week or two. We had some difficulties with just kind of lining up uh, some of the audio, so uh, Brian was actually going to come on next week and. Uh, Instead, here we are, man, and I'm super excited. And, and first of all, I just want to congratulate you on your first, you know, season as the, the head football coach at Martinsville High School. Um, you know, I just can't imagine. No, number one, I think you guys had a successful year. I know, uh, you know, me and, and Carly and Miles enjoyed going to the games and, um, you know, having an opportunity to watch the watch the boys uh, play. And you know, I know you guys fell a little bit short there in the sectional championship, but. Overall, in my eyes, I think you had a really successful first year. So, congratulations, buddy. Well, well I appreciate that. I don't know. I don't know if five and seven is uh, considered successful or not. But uh, yeah, we did. We made some good strides. Um, we, you know, for the short summer that we had and uh, the short time that I had with the boys, and to get uh, five wins and play for a sectional championship is uh, is is a pretty good accomplishment. Uh, obviously, something we're not we're not satisfied with, but uh, a good foundation was was set as we uh, kind of move forward here. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's always going to be and I'm sure you, you probably have that coach's uh, vantage point where there's probably two three four games where you think man what if we had two or three plays that it t- changes the outcome of the game but um, you know overall I think you guys were competitive in every single game so the record didn't show as good as you guys were and uh, I know we all had a ton of fun fun watching you guys so as we talk about this we're sitting here now it's it's 2021 um, you know you and I have had the opportunity to talk about several different topics uh, through the last year, and uh, you know, I've kind of been, you know, in the trenches, probably bugging the hell out of you, just asking you questions in regards to, you know, what you're doing with the program, and you know, how's your training coming along. Um, but looking at COVID, and it was just a really kind of 
interesting time for you to um, start as a head football coach and, and really not having access to your players. Uh, you know, typically the off season's, you know, a lot longer than what it was for not just high school teams, but collegiate sports as well. I mean, you hear stories of, um, you know, these the strength and conditioning specialists not having access to be able to, to periodize kids and to get them through. Um, and a lot of the priority was just kind of getting people moving and not even really being able to get them strong, especially at the high school level. Can you give us just a little bit of a vantage point, an overview of what, you know, what it was like to kind of manage during those early times, not even knowing if you guys were going to have a season? Yeah. Um, and then maybe just kind of elaborating on some of the challenges that you guys had this year. Well, you know, it's, it was definitely interesting in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, you know, uh, I've been asked a lot of time by a lot of people, well, you know, what was it like coaching your first year and with COVID? And it's, you know, l- luckily I'm kind of, you know, ignorant. I, I don't really know any other different because my first year was COVID. So uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, you kind of deal with, um, you kind of learn on the fly a little bit with that. You know, like Bedford North Lawrence coach before the game was talking to me. He's like, I just don't know how you're doing this with COVID as a first year coach. I couldn't imagine. And I kind of said to him, I said, well, if I can survive it this way, I couldn't imagine how easy it's going to be after this. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of look at the, the the layout of it. I got hired in April. And usually at that point in time, you would kind of come in, meet the kids. Um, you get to start coming in at the after school lifting, kind of start, you know, getting to see the kids in the weight room and doing some athletic enhancement. And then you would kind of start moving into kind of putting together your summer uh, for June and July and kind of really focusing more on like the fundamentals aspects of stuff in June. Um, and then really kind of building on, you know, really dialing into the X's and O's probably a little bit more heavily in July. Um, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, April, I hadn't even got to meet the kids yet. Uh, the first time I got to meet the kids was in May, and that was over Zoom. Uh, so I had 80-some faces staring at me on a computer mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of introducing myself and to the parents and the kids. Um, and then we get told that June isn't going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, that we basically high school sports were on hold. And then we got, we got kind of notified late, I don't know, mid-June that by the IHSA that we were going to start the first week of July. Uh, July 4th or 5th, uh, that, that July 3rd was going to be the first day we could go, but most people were going to wait till July 6th type thing, till after the, the 4th. So, um, I mean, at that point in time, our kids hadn't lifted a weight since March. Uh, they hadn't done anything uh, physical, probably. I mean, they're high school kids. A lot of them were playing video games. Luckily, I, I was going to a, uh, a school where uh, hard work uh, for a lot of those boys is what they've grown up doing, whether that's working at the fisheries or, you know, working at the auto shop with their dad or, yeah. uh, you know, a l- l- lot different from my the kids that I worked with at Southport. So right. um, that was one nice thing was that a lot of my kids were still active. Um, it wasn't doing athletic things, but they were still moving to some degree. Uh, but I got together with our weight coach in June. I uh, finally got to sit down and talk to him. And we really kind of tried to put together a plan for what July would look like. Um, and, you know, as a football coach, you want your guys to be big, fast, you know, athletic. You know, that's what you want. You want them throwing around a lot, a lot of weight in the weight room. Uh, but the reality was that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, these kids hadn't lifted in three or four months. Um, a lot of their technique was going to be bad. And we really decided to focus on one thing and one thing only, and that was injury prevention. Um, my goal was to get every player I could through the entire season if we had a season. Um, so we were going to spend that entire month in, in, in July of really kind of getting a base foundation set strength-wise, uh, just getting them moving weight a little bit, uh, but really focusing on flexibility and some of the injury prevention strategies that you know a lot about as a physical therapist. Um, but 
uh, you know, kind of tip my hat to Coach Breach, uh, our weight coach. Uh, Ethan Breach does an outstanding job, and you know, I'm not the most sciencey guy when it comes to that stuff, but he did a really good job of, of putting together a plan that focused heavily on injury prevention. Um, and then that, from that point in time, um, well, I must say, interjecting, you guys didn't have very many inter- injuries. No, we this did. Year, we right? actually, you know, I, I was just thinking about that kind of while I was talking. Um, I, I can't think of a major injury that we had this year. We had one kid with a hamstring um, midway through the year. Um, and I think that was it. Um, I don't know. We didn't have any major ACLs or anything like that. Um, you know, we had, a, we had, a, we had our, our H-back had a lot of shoulder issues, but he didn't come out to us until August, and he, mm-hmm. had, uh, he had already had a ton of shoulder injuries from his baseball time. So yeah. um, other than that, no, we didn't really have that many injuries. So um, hats off to Coach Breach and, you know, the plan as far as that went. Yeah. Um, but you look at uh, uh, July, um, and you know, you know, as a coach, you kind of like to like put, you know, kind of start implementing June. You start to like look at things heavily and a little bit more diverse in July. There was a lot of basics, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, you've seen my play sheet on Friday night. Yep. The thing's massive and probably not necessary, but um, it was really, really condensed that first game. Yeah. You know, we uh, we decided to hang our hat on, you know, we're going to be really good at at these things. We're not going to try and throw the whole thing at it and not be good at. You know, what's the old saying, um, you know, uh, uh, master of, or what's it, I can't think of the phrase, it's, um, what is it, the, yeah, it's like I'm specialist losing. at a few things, master at none, or, or something, I can't think of the phrase of it, uh, Coach Peebles used to say it all the time, Yeah, but basically, basically you're, being, being average at a bunch of different yes, things, instead versus, of being really good at, at, yes. at, at a few things. So instead of having our whole playbook in of a hundred some plays, we kind of went into Bedford with the idea that we're going to have these 20, 25 plays and we're just going to be really good at them. Right. And then as the season goes, we'll start expanding. And the nice thing about our playbook is a lot of it is built off of off of other things. So, you know, like our inside zone, uh, we have our inside zone can be six, seven different variations of how we run our inside zone. And then off that, you have your RPOs off of that, your play action off that, and just different things that build. So by focusing on inside zone that, you know, for the first part of the, the summer and really building that in our offensive line, it kind of just starts to mutate itself as you go forward and build upon itself and okay, now we can add the split flow zone. Now we can add, you know, the, 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 the cut. Now we can add the, the, you know, the speed option off the back, the different things that you can just do off of it uh, to kind of give different looks. So that's why we decided to hang our hat on that. And, uh, you know, it kind of paid off early. Um, you know, like you said, though, you look back, I do feel like that Bloomington South game, if we had a little bit more in offensively, I feel like we could have put more points on them. Skeptical. I, I still think I was watching it on TV <laughs> up in northern Indiana at our in-laws, and uh, I still think there was one touchdown where the guy got his uh, feet down in the back of the end zone. But, yeah. hey, you can't you can't, uh, can't win every uh, – Every blown uh, call. So we're, we're big on control what you can control. So That's right. we we really uh, we preached our kids, you know, because our kids were upset. You know, we we we're one of the, uh, we're very fortunate. We have a lot of live streams of our games, so our kids yeah. went in and watched that, and they were talking about he caught it, he caught it, and it's you know it's hey if, if he right. doesn't bobble it the first time and catches it the the first time it's right. it's a touchdown. So we control what we control, and you know that was that was a big mantra as well with the with the summer. Um, you talked about that as well, kind of the psyche aspect of it was. You look at July and man, we weren't sure we were going to play at all. Yeah. Like I, I, that first day, second day, all the protocols we had to do. I mean, just to have a practice uh, was was tough. Um, you know, you got to check in the kids, which normally we don't do that. You know, they kind of just show up, take attendance, you move on. Uh, you know, check in was 15 minutes, asking all the kids the questions. 
um, going through and making sure you got your groups organized so you're not cross-pollinating groups, yeah. making sure that they're working separately. You sanitize the bags in between every rep. <laughs> and that's, you know, like Coach Coach Chesetsky just recently was talking about the psyche of college basketball players. I mean, it, it wears on you. Oh, I mean, I, I get I can't it. It's imagine. Not, it's not just sit down and play basketball. It's not just sit down and, you know, play football. It's it's there's a there's a there's a lot that goes into it. And by the time you you're you're not even thinking football yet, you're worn out before practice even starts. Yeah. So uh, we were we were real big on we're gonna enjoy every day. And we kinda told the kids uh, from day one, every coach uses a saying, play you know, like this is your last play. Um, and we told the kids that you're going to live that this year because at any point in time, our athletic director could walk out here and say, practice is done, football shut down for the year. You don't know if that's going to be at 3 o'clock at practice, 4 o'clock at practice, mm-hmm. 5 o'clock for game night. I mean, Southport's first game this year was canceled, you know, as, as they're getting ready to get on the bus, 4.30. Yeah, Think about that. that. I mean, so we're driving down to Bedford, and I get a text message from a couple of the coaches, and it's like, man, are we going to make it to kickoff? And you know, each Friday night, you just kind of hoped that that ball would get up in the air because once the game started, you didn't think somebody would come out and stop the game. But, yeah, um, you know, we, we really took the mantra of, you know, control what you can control and, and really do the, the take that approach of, you know, play it as it's your last play. So with with all that being said, I mean, obviously there's there's a ton in there, a lot of obstacles, a lot of barriers you guys have had to had to kind of persevere through. And um, I, I in, in healthcare, I've seen the same thing in regards to having to take temperatures yeah. and just screening imagine, people, yeah. and it's uh, it's been an exhaustive year. But you know, I, I give tip my hat to you as well. I mean, the, the the education world in regards to you know doing virtual and going back on site. I know your wife Erin as well. Like, you know, has done both, and you do a blend, and uh, you know, just extremely appreciative of all the teachers that are out there as well and what they've had to put up with, and um, it's not been easy. But you know, if if you were to if you were to kind of have a blank canvas for last year and this is kind of just a a theoretical question but let's say COVID didn't strike you know what are some things that you would have liked to have done differently with your squad yeah um well that's you know one of the things was is you know as a coach you kind of reflect on your your year a little bit and there were some things um you know I look at myself uh, that I would have done personally a little bit differently, like discipline issue-wise, uh, just to kind of get some more discipline instilled within the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, more even simple things of like team bonding and team things, you know, because you had to be, you couldn't use the locker room together. Yeah, like, we couldn't have all our kids in the locker room at the same time. We had to have the offense get dressed, they leave, defense get dressed, and then on game nights we had to have the offense on one side of the locker room, the defense on the other side mm-hmm. of the locker room. So you start to think about like just overall like you you know you grew up in a locker room mm-hmm. sometimes just being in a locker room is team bonding and we never really got that so you know as far as an aspect goes of like some things like that i i w- would have loved to have done a lot more just team stuff just being a team and you know kind of putting together a unit of you know we're united we're all on the same page here and 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 really build that foundation and you know we, we talked as a staff. There, there were some little things this year, discipline-wise, that you know I kind of let slide that I wouldn't have let in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I'm real big on it. If a kid misses practice, if it's either positive or, or, or excuse me, if it's a uh, 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 excused or unexcused, there's still a punishment. Yeah. Like you know, excuse is obviously going to be less than say an unexcused practice. But if you miss practice, you got to make that time up. You're setting you know? a precedent yeah. that practice is important. Yeah. Yeah. It's a team thing. But then you, you kind of weigh the thing of well, how do you punish a kid who's being told he can't come to practice because of a COVID 
protocol sure. or because of his mother's been quarantined or because like yeah so then it's like well do i punish this kid but then i don't punish this kid and then like well so then you start opening the door of well do i want to deal with all these issues and it's kind of one of those things where first year you know i kind of wanted to lay the law down of like hey this is the expectation this is how we're supposed to be doing things yeah. and hey you missed practice that's a punishment but then kind of let things slide a little bit on that regard and we talked as a staff how next year that'll be different but yeah uh, that was one of those survive the year type things. Absolutely. And I, I just put myself in, in those shoes and in your coaching staff shoes. I mean, it's like you're, you're dealing with so much, just like you said, just to get practice started. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start fighting every battle that you have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you go talk about Coach K. You know, I think he's a great person to kind of mirror off of. You know, he talks about, you know, all his recruits that come into Duke. When you're coming to Duke, you're going to play up to the standard of Duke. You're not coming to Duke – to not live up to the, the standard of that expectation. And, and I think that that is a healthy expectation that you as the head coach certainly should, and I'm sure you will, uh, you know, empower on your team. Yeah, and we've, we've already started that with some of our winter stuff, um, you know, talking about doing some leadership classes and things. Um, you know, I've kind of stolen some stuff from Urban Meyer about being above the line a little bit. You know, we talked our mantra. One of our big things, our mantra, our team slogan is elite. Be elite in everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it stands uh, effort, bring great effort every day. Love. You're going to love your teammates. You're going to love everybody. You know, love is one of the most strongest things out there. If you love somebody, you'll do anything for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, int- the eyes intentional. Be intentional about what you're doing. Don't just be going through the motions. Dive in 100 percent. Uh, be trustworthy. Your teammates can, are going to have your back. You know, if it's fourth and one, whatever, are you going to do your job? Are you going to be one eleventh a part of the process? Um, and then the the E is bring bring enthusiasm. And you know, nothing nothing greater was ever accomplished without enthusiasm. You need know, to be excited about what you're doing. Uh, you got to love it. And uh, so we talked about all year about elite, elite, elite. And then this this off season really kind of driving home like, okay, what does it mean to be elite now? We talked about that, but like you know. We talk about being above the line. There's this line. That's what Urban Meyer talked about. You got this line here. And everything you do is below the line is just not good enough. Mm-hmm. So then we start talking, and I got to the kids' point where we say, like, this line, that's our elite line. If yep. we want to be elite, we got to be above that line. Right. We, can't, we can't just settle for anything below that. So, you know, that goes for leadership. That goes for effort in the weight room. That goes for, you know, your classwork. That goes for all aspects of life. So, yep. um, and, and, and I really tried to instill that in the boys. And, and some of the seniors have really, you know, come back and talked about how like you know they're not going to settle for just being average because i talk mm-hmm. about you know not just wanting to be average at anything whether it's being a dad whether it's being a husband whether it's being an employee whether whatever it is don't mm-hmm. just be average be dominated go be elite yeah um and you know make yourself better at everything you do so uh that that was something that that we kind of really inspired this and we're trying to build off at this off season with those standards of you know here's the line. We need to be above that line. And yep. that's some things like being on time and, you know, not being late to wait and, and things that are, uh, that we can kind of start doing some of those things. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I think like when you look at effort based, um, activities, I mean that to me, you know, I remember growing up in the locker room, whether it was in high school or college and, you know, it was all about the effort that you gave. I mean, you would have some guys that obviously a little bit more talented, uh, maybe they got started on an athletic development journey a little bit sooner. Uh, maybe the coaching's been better and, you know, they have better reaction time. You know, they've got better skill set. Um, you know, but for me, you know, I, I think there's a couple different, and you're dealing with this being a first-year coach, um, and this is probably not very popular for the parents that are out there listening. Um, but, you know, the reality is you have to build up a program, right? And uh, you remember what it was like. I remember being an eighth grader and – you know, thinking about playing high school football, you know, my brother was already a sophomore in high school and I was thinking about what it had 
what I had to do in order to get to the point of being great in a couple of years to play at that level. And it started at a very young age. So, I mean, unfortunately for some of the kids that haven't put as much effort in now and haven't worked very hard that are maybe juniors and seniors, doesn't mean they're not good football players, um, you know, but the, the, the hourglass is against you. And, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I, I do think that there is an opportunity to kind of bridge um, you know, injury reduction programs, athletic development type programs, and really put them into one to help you become a better athlete. But what do you do? I mean, you can't control, obviously, what people have done in the past. All you can control is, you know, how you inspire and lead your guys. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they drink the water and they buy into it as a team and they realize um, that long term, you know, not just outside of sports, but long term, these disciplined habits um, you know, their ability to buy into a process is what's going to make them a successful individual in whatever they do, um, but by far on the football field. But with that being said, you know, what is your what is your thought process around your development of your younger kids that were like me, you know, in middle school or maybe even elementary school? I mean, you think, you think about some of these kids, you know, they talk about the 10,000 hour rule, which is essentially about, you know, 2,000 hours a year, is, you know, is about... Uh, you know, it's about five years to get to that expertise level. So you look at some of these, you know, professional golfers that are unbelievable at the age of 21. Well, they're usually starting to do the math really early. Um, so, you know, what is your philosophy? What is your thoughts? What is your um, overall vision for the Martinsville program when you think about, you know, those youth that are wanting to develop and, and get up to that varsity level? You know, it's, uh, you know, the first part you started talking about there about, you know, getting the, the, the buy-in and some of those things there was, you know, it reminded me of, uh, of again, Urban Meyer again, his 10-80-10 rule, where you have 10% of your kids are just going to be, and he talked about this with companies and, every, you know, teams and all this stuff. He said, you're going to have 10% of your employees that are just rock stars. These people are going to do whatever you tell them to do. They're your leaders. They're just, that's the group. Then you got 80% is just there. They're not bad. They're not terrible. They're just there. They're right. doing their job. They're they're part of the team. They do their they do their Status minimum quo. and they go. Then you have the ten percent that's defiant. And he he talks about how the goal is to get that eighty percent to be higher, to be to grow into that top ten percent. Yep. That's where you see the difference in, in your programs. That's where you see a difference in companies when that eighty percent wants to leave that eighty percent and make it a larger top ten percent. So make it a fifteen, a twenty, a thirty percent. And I love that. And and over the years I've heard that principle mm -hmm. and you know and and my uh, business experience, professional experience with overseeing, you know, multi site leaders in the physical therapy space, that's one of the things we always talked about because I think it's easy for you to focus on high performers mm -hmm. because your high performers, your whole eighty twenty rule, you've got twenty percent of the people that are creating eighty percent of the results, mm -hmm. right? So you you obviously want to attend to those people that are getting you results. But what ends up happening is that you burn out those people that are producing all those results and that 80% of the people that aren't doing much, they just need coaching. Mm -hmm. They need encouragement. They need, um, you know, someone to kind of show them the way and to give them some encouragement and not a hundred percent of that 80% is going to get no, no, no. to that top 20% or top 10% like Urban Meyer has in there. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that sets a precedent. And then also what I always like to do as well is like, you look at that bottom 10% and you know, they talk about a spoiled apple, you know, ruins the apple cart, you know, and, and how cancerous, you know, one person can be. And I, I think it's fair to have, and that's why expectations, I think, are so important, and you understand that better than anyone, but it's fair to set those expectations 
so that that 10% knows exactly what you're not going to tolerate. And either they're getting into that middle 80% or they're falling off. Mm -hmm. And and you don't want anything in between. You don't want them hanging around and and just talking bad and being toxic. Um, But I love that. I love how, you know, there's a lot of parallels, you know, between, you know, corporate environments, uh, you know, business environments um, with coaching as well. So with knowing that, knowing, okay, you've got your 10%, how, how do you, we, we know that we've got some players that, that have it, mm-hmm. right? You know, players that just show up, they do 100% of everything you ask them to do. Um, and then you've got those players that you see that have talent and you're like, good Lord, if I could just get them to have a little bit of passion and enthusiasm and consistency um, in their development, they would be a top 10%. How do you deal with, with both of those well, I think a big part of it is, especially with high school kids, they got to know that you're vested with them. Like a, a big part of my coaching style is relationships. Like these kids know that I care more about them than their football success. Uh, so I, I think a, a big part of it is just knowing that I care for them. I love them. Mm-hmm. I'm there for them. Um, I told them day one when I met them on that Zoom, you're going to hear me say I love you all the time, and I mean it. I'm mm-hmm. not just saying that. I'm going to show it. And, yep. you know, I, that's, that's what we're going to build this off of. Um, you know, and, you know, it's kind of like Tom Allen's uh, LEO love each other. Yep. Um, and he talks about that, like love is the strongest of it. uh, One of the strongest things and, you know, uh, biggest, uh, builders of success is, is love because people will do anything for each other. You know, uh, the, the Navy SEALs, they, they did a study about why, why, um, why were they scoring so much better than all these other units? Like, why were they scoring so much? Was it training? Was it, was it, you know, uh, score, like as far as just like physique and strength and those types of things, was it, what was it? And they finally like through all this stuff, they found out that the only difference between like these high elite Navy SEAL people was that they had a bond with their brothers that they didn't want them to fail. They didn't want to let down their brother. And it was all about love. Like they would do anything for that person. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a like, Hey, I, I, I I know I'm, I'm in with these guys. I know I love these guys so much that I can't, I can't let them down. And that's why they would score so much better. So to me, it's always been like, well, okay. You look at something like that. And like, if you want success, like, okay, you got to trust each other. You got to be a part of it. And I've always tried to hang my hat on being there for kids and just being able to have a conversation with them about whatever it is, life, you know, girlfriends, you know, sports, football. I mean, whatever, just, just have that. And kids, kids know that they can have that comfort level with me. And that's really been how I've built relationships with them. And then I think you take those relationships and they know that you're in on the fight with them. And it's amazing what kids will do. I don't think like when you and I played, like, I felt like we would run through a wall for a coach. Yeah. Like I I would, I'd run through a wall for coach. James. And, and maybe, you know, I kind of look at it now and maybe, maybe it's more of what the way I coach now still than I didn't realize at the time, but I don't feel like kids today will run through a wall for you. I don't. I don't feel like they, uh, there's too much in society today. There's too much going you on. I think that's what it is. It's just too many distractions. It distractions, society itself, and how cultural has changed, and just all the things that are just like, yeah. there's an easier way out. I, I, why, why would I run through a wall for this? Like, I'm not going to do that. I do think kids will run through a wall with you, though. Yeah. I do think they'll go with you. If they see you in there and they see you in the fight and they know you're in there with them, they'll go with you. Yeah. Um, and that's why like when we're in the weight room, I jump in and do sets with kids. I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to be able to do that forever, but, <laughs> but I, but I, I want the, I, I want them to know, like, like if there's a punishment, like at the end of practice, if there's a punishment, I run with them. Mm-hmm. If there's, you know, cause I tell them this is my team. 
if if you guys aren't doing the job, I'm not that. I'm not doing the job. I love that. If 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 you know, like at the end of at the end of a how many a, people beat you in sprints? Oh, almost all of them. But <laughs> I still I still beat the lineman. <laughs> yeah. I still beat the lineman. That was just running through my head. I could see you sprinting with those but, guys. Um, but uh, you know, like when we do a two minute drill, like we'll yeah. randomly just throw a two minute drill in the middle of practice. Yeah. And whoever loses is down and back, like on the fit, you know, sideline to sideline, yeah. offense defense. Whether you're in the game or not, if you're on the defensive unit, you're running offense right. unit. And the expectation is coaches run too. Now I don't require my coaches to run, mm-hmm. and I, I never will because some of them are older and you know they need to have cleared cardiac yeah, screenings they before they themselves. <laughs> but it is funny that you know a lot of the coaches jump on there and just start running. That's they saw great. me doing it, now they do it. That's just what they do. They just jump on board and do it. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I try to be a part of the process with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how you, you, you take that. Like you said, like, well, it's funny, like we just tested out with our, our weightlifting this last week, you know, kind of, it's not very good because they haven't really hardcore lifted since last G, uh, January, February, because even this summer and fall was kind of more of a maintained, you know, injury yeah. prevention. So our numbers weren't great, but you start looking at it, you know, like our clubs and different things and in and, and the weight room. You don't really look at those top eight guys, ten guys, whatever it is. You don't really look at those. Like, okay, great. We have a guy who benches three to twenty-five. Okay, great. You really kind of look at that group that's like in that one eighty-five to two twenty-five range. Yeah. And it's like, how can we get these guys a to like two fifty, two seventy-five? Yep, that's a huge difference. That that's right there where everything's won at. People like you look at like unless you've got some just absolute stud that's going to carry your team. Most teams have really good one through ten. They do. Yeah. Like a lot of like guys right. who make plays. Right. You're you make your bang for your buck on eleven through thirty. The depth. Yeah. Eleven yeah. through thirty is where you make your bang. So to me it's always been I gotta get not just my top guys and my best guys to buy in. I gotta get this whole group to buy in. I gotta mm-hmm. get this middle group. And that's why I've always just been vested with the idea of like I gotta be a part of the process. Yeah. I'm gonna be in there fighting with them. They're gonna know that I like I tell them, I'm never gonna quit on you. I don't want you to ever quit on me. Yeah. And I, I I, I love hearing that because I think, you know, th- there are, I think it's it's evolving. You know, I, I'd say there's less stoicism, you know, in coaching now than, than what there was probably when we were growing up. And we've heard stories from yeah. our parents and our mm-hmm. coaches about how stoic it was back in the day. And, um, you know, some of the things that you hear stories of, it's like, oh my gosh, you'd be in jail mm-hmm. if you did some of those things now, which is kind of laughable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think... You know, I've had, you know, you know, Justin Petty pretty well, and he's he's been on the platform a few times talking about, um, you know, just mental wellness and sports psychology and, and and some tips for coaches that have the responsibility of overseeing these athletes. And I think sometimes it's missed that you have the individual and the person that's on your team that may be going through something, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, if you make it all about sport, and you don't have the opportunity to, to say, hey, my door's open anytime. You want to come, you want to talk about losing your dog or, you know, grandma's got cancer or, you know, you've, you're going through something really challenging and difficult. Like like you said, I think that that is so valuable for so many different reasons. One, it's teaching them how to navigate, um, you know, their own personal circumstances because life is tough. You know, I mean, it goes up, it goes down. You got to get used to the hills and the valleys. You're gonna, and fa- you're gonna fail more than you succeed. You really are, and it's that response. And and I think what you're teaching, um, and and the thing that that's super cool about what you're doing in your platform is that you have an opportunity to kind of influence these kids to kind of emotionally mature a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about 
going to college, college is not easy, you know, and college is not meant for everyone either. There might be some people on your football team that want to go into trades, Mm -hmm. you know, or want to do something like that. That's not easy either, you know, and there's a lot of things you've got to learn. There's a lot of frustrations. They may have a boss that sucks, that has a horrible attitude, and, you know, they've got to figure out how to communicate around that or, you know, navigate around some of those difficult decisions. But, you know, for you, I know that you're extremely passionate about that relationship side, but, you know, can you just you know, in regards to kind of what you, what your vision is, because I know you, you played for Mark James, um, you know, at Franklin Central High School, Mark's, you know, now at Perry Meridian, was at Ben Davis, won one or two state championships there, Hall of Fame Indiana basketball coach, and just happens to be, you know, a Martinsville, you know, alma mater, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he, he strikes me as a guy, just because, you know, knowing you and knowing some of the guys that played for him, they they all you know still reference him as coach and and have that sense of respect and relationship. What what is that vision like for you? Like what do you want your players to look like? Is that what you're trying to kind of create as well in Martinsville? Well, I think I think anyone who's who's ever gone into coaching went into coaching because they had a coach impact them. Like you, you don't you don't go into to coaching for the game. Like I mean you don't. I mean if you want to do that, you're going to go to the college level. You're going to go sure. to the, the you know try and go professional, whatever, that that type of thing. If it's for the game. If you're a high school coach at any level, you're doing it because somebody made an impact on your life. Someone had something left an impression on you that kind of formed you into the person you are, and you want to do the same in return. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, X's and O's are great, and they're fun, and they make Friday night what's, you know, you know, passionate and all that. But the reality is you got into this job because you want to help kids. Yep. Like, that's, that's why you did it. And it's another avenue to do that. Um, you know, a lot of teachers get into into teaching because they want to help kids because they had someone impact them in their life that made them a person that they are and they're successful and they want to do the same thing to kids. Well, same thing goes for coaching. You know, I look at, you know, the guys who, who impacted me, like you talk about Coach James and just the amount of discipline and the amount of like structure and things that he brought to my life. And it's not like I had a bad life or something like, mm-hmm. like my parents weren't raising me well. Just help galvanize you a little bit. But yeah, right? just just kind of puts you in like a different direction. And, you know, I love sports. So that was like that was a given but you kind of see the impact that sports can have on your life and kind of see the structure and just the overall impact it has and it's just it really kind of pulls you in and then in return you want to give that back you know you want to kind of have that same impact that that coach had on you to other kids and you start thinking about it like okay I I played for coach James in 2000 I graduated in 2002 you know he started coaching at 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 Franklin Central in like 1985 uh, or 86. Wearing his cowboy boots yeah. that he still and he, wears, right? And he, and he coached from 1986 at Franklin Central, and now he's still coaching today in t- you know t- 2021. That's almost 40 years of coaching. That he is. Think of how many people like me he's impacted. I know. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So you start you start to know that the impact that he's left and like the the footprint uh, you know that that he's left in people's lives. And it just kind of makes you wonder, like, can you have that same impact? Are you going to be that same, you know, that that same type of person? And you know, it's it's pretty lofty goals to strive for. So, so with that being said, um, I know you talk about Coach James. Is there any other mentors that you've had, kind of throughout your career, that kind of stand out to you? Oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that you know different. different I know it's it's too long. To, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. so many people but, that impact you, know, but, you along your journey. I know that. Yeah, but. there 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 are. You know, you look at like different aspects of who like I look at, you know, I learned a lot about being a head coach and, and really putting kids first through Bill Peebles, mm-hmm. uh, Cathedral's head coach now, was at Southport when yep. I was there. Yep. Um, 
man, I, I, I learned a lot by him. Uh, just simple little things. I'll never forget. Um, you know, it, it's kind of when, when now when, when my teams get up really big, I get really worried about rubbing the score in on the other team. Like I, you know, it's kind of kind of a James thing too. He didn't like to win big. You know, I thought it was wrong and didn't do that. And you know, same thing with Coach Peebles. He didn't like to win big. He never wanted to win like eighty to nothing. He did. That's mm-hmm. not what he wanted. He didn't. He yeah. never wanted that. Um, and I remember my it's like my second year. We're we're playing Anderson. Anderson wasn't very good. They were going through some um, you know uh, restructuring of their schools and kind of shrinking down, downsizing from three to two to all that type of stuff. And they they just weren't very good. And we went up there and we were up. Man, uh, no, it was at our place. We were up like it was like 63 to nothing at like halftime or something. I mean, it was awful. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember thinking like, Hey, we're going to score 70. We're going to score. This is cool. Like I'm 24, whatever it is. Like this is all going to score 70 points. Like everyone went like 70, nothing. And we like started calling because people started calling some plays that were just like, what are we doing? Like, like, why aren't we still pushing it? You know, and I'm 24 at the time. And Coach people's puts his arms around me, arm around me and says, here's the deal. We're no longer coaching our kids. Right now we're coaching Anderson's kids. Because at the end of the day, we got to make sure they do not hate the game of football when we walk off this I field. I love that. And it's like you start to see the impact that, awesome. that you could have. And it's like that that right there is like, man, I'm not even coaching. Like coaching high school sports, I'm not even just coaching my team. I'm coaching other teams. Like yeah. you start to see the, the aspect. And he's like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to rub this in their face because – I want them to continue to play football because yeah. if they quit football, what do they gain? They don't become better people. They don't become better, you know, whatever. So it's like our job is to take care of them too. And he's like, you think that like all these situations now where like you're so competitive on a Friday night, but then you have to yeah. step back and it's like, you know what? We're also trying to have fun with these kids. So like I, there are times like their team will make a good play and I'm like, you know, I'll slap the guy on the head on yep. our sideline. You know, the other coach is like, why are you congratulating him? That's a good play. Kid needs to know that. Yep. Like that's, that's a big deal. Yep. Um, and you kind of have to step away from your like competition and your competitive aspect that you have because it, it, I mean we all have it and we don't win everything you do. But yep. sometimes it's bigger than than high school football can be bigger than just winning or losing the game. When you look at how many how many high school football games do you have? Uh, you get ten a year. You get ten ten games a year, and that's what I love is like fifteen okay, if you go state championship. So so let's say let's say on the high end, mm. uh, fifteen games in a year. Mm. 365 days a year mm-hmm. the heck that, that that's a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. right you're teaching these kids in the off season and during during the season you know more about preparing and discipline and competing than you are during the games i mean the game should be loose they should mm-hmm. be fun because you're spending all of the other time you know getting ready for those games so i i love that story though uh you know about the anderson situation mm-hmm. that's awesome so you know kind of to 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 close off uh, the segment, you know, one of the things I, I'd love to talk about a little bit is just kind of, you know, I get geeked out on just like, you know, the whole athletic development mm-hmm. side of things and injury reduction. And you talk about, you know, hey, we've got those top 10, 11 kids mm-hmm. that are up on the you know weight charts. They look great. But how do I get these kids, you know, up? What do you have a philosophy? Like what 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 is your what have you seen throughout the years that's been successful with some kids with getting stronger in the weight room? You know, because for me, from my vantage point, experiencing it and seeing it, uh, I feel like football is one of those sports that, like, you can get better at football in the weight room. And you look at those those schools like Alabama where they got the strength coach making gazillion dollars a year because he's an extension of the football team because mm-hmm. he's, 
you know, encouraging them. He's getting in the kids' heads. Um, you know, they're getting consistent. They're getting that strength. But he's also periodizing them, and he's doing them. Uh, he's putting them on a pattern. You know, that's lockstep with what the coach's wishes are. What's your philosophy in regards to? I, I don't know that I really have a true philosophy. Um, you know, I, it's funny. I was I was just last week was kind of diving into uh, Vanderbush at uh, Ben Davis. I mean, he's a legend in mm-hmm. the uh, strength coaching world. I mean, heck, he's one of the founding three members of the strength coach. Uh, national, whatever, the NCSSC, QRL, all the different letters. Yep. Um, so he's like, the, the he's one of the godfathers. And I was kind of watching one of his things on YouTube recently, and he talked about how I could take 100 string coaches and I could come up with 100 different plans and all 100 of them could be successful. And he was real big on not every, not basically saying that all the different ways aren't wrong. Just because mine's right for me doesn't mean it's wrong for you, or yeah. right for you, or vice versa, whatever. So, um, you know, I don't know that I have a true philosophy. I just think one of the important things I've learned is pick to pick to something and stick to it, uh, whatever that system is. And, and I'm real big on, on on focusing on letting my strength coach do his job. I mean, yep. that's what he's got a degree in for. Yep. I mean, he's got a master's in that. Yep. Um, but it's my job to help bring energy in there. It's my job to get the kids in there. Um, I know right now we're, we're, we just came out of kind of a testing phase. Uh, We're getting ready to move into kind of a a higher sets, higher reps phase, and then kind of do that for a while. And then kind of, you know, like hypertrophy type stuff and then start getting into some base strength and then eventually kind of get in again to to a max out thing. But um, you know, we, we go three days a week right now lifting. Uh, we try to do speed development one day. We try to do plyos and agilities another day. Uh, we like to do some hip mobility stuff, especially on days we squat, just to mm-hmm. kind of loosen up um, um, and get uh, get ready for that. Um, and then you try and build in some competition in there. My big thing in the weight room, um, as, as the head football coach, I think the weight room is – just as important as the football field and teaching competition. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at a weight room, everything you do in there is competition. Mm-hmm. When I put 225 on and I got three sets of three in bench, whatever it may be, I'm competing with myself to do three sets. Like that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm competing with myself. And if it's easy, I need to make it harder on myself. And so you try to build in that. You try to build in that culture of competition, compete, 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 because when they step on the field Friday night, that's what they have to do. They have to compete every play, yep. every rep, every 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 reaction has to be a competition. I'm competing with this wide receiver as a DB every single play, mm-hmm. and I'm going to lose some. I'm going to win some, but i got to compete. I can't quit. I don't want to just drop the bar and let it land on my chest. I'm going to fight to the end. Yeah. I'm going to keep competing. You know, we, we try and rep in as much competition as we can, whether it's just planks, whether it's wall sits, whether it's towel wrestling, whether it's, I mean, whatever it is you're doing, mm-hmm. just pick something and compete. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. And, you know, I think one thing that's important, too, that I learned kind of really the hard way through end of high school days, beginning of college, is just how important nutrition is, too. And I know with high school kids, it's so hard to be able to control, you know, what they're eating mm-hmm. because they're in school from... 7.30 to 3 or 3.30, and then they're going to practice. Um, you know, what does that look like? How, how do you guys combat some of those challenges? you just put it back on the players? or Well, you, you try to educate them. That's what you try to do as much as you can. You try yep. to educate their parents. Yeah. Because, um, you know, some kids will come in and say, hey, I want to get bigger, and then they'll, they don't really have the means to do that. So uh, you just you, you kind of do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of give them some information. Uh, we I gave them a, a diet plan that uh, one of our coaches got from Virginia Tech that they gave to uh, their incoming players, uh, that this is what your diet should be for the summer. You know, this is what you should be eating before you get to us. Uh, kind of give that to each of the kids so they have that. 
Um, and then you just try and get small wins here and there. Um, you know, things like, uh, I was able to work with our um, uh, Wednesdays right now. We don't have school. We have e-learning all day on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I worked with our, our lunch, our food director, and I was able to get the boys breakfast and lunch. So basically, they, they as soon as we're done lifting in the morning at 7, from as, as soon as we're done, they go and they get a breakfast right there at the little cafe by the weight room. That's awesome. And then, and then they get a sack lunch to take home. So, yeah. um, I mean, hopefully they're eating more on top of that, but yeah. they're at least getting something. You know, when I was at Southport, we would we would go down and we would take all the they had like a, a, a table that had all the like if you weren't going to eat it, you put it here, like mm-hmm. whatever. And we'd go scoop up all the chocolate milks and put those in the in the fridge in the weight room. So the kids had chocolate milk if they didn't have their own protein, because, yep. you know, at the college level, those guys are given. Protein. Oh, yeah, they're here's given your protein. Here's your protein. As here's soon your protein. as they're. Yeah. Go eat this prime rib and then here's some more protein. Right. You know, you, you know, not all of our kids can afford to go buy. A, a, a protein thing it's right just, it's expensive yeah you know, i think about chocolate milk is the yeah. mo- is the is the most inexpensive thing it is and so, greek yogurt yeah it's so, uh, oikos 15 grams of of protein got a little nfl tab on it that and a glass of chocolate milk mm. one of the easiest post-workout yeah. protein recovery uh supplements you can have and and i kind of talked to our our food director about that a little bit and he's working on right now a grant with some of the dairy people around trying to provide chocolate milk for us basically every day for the kids and just like little wins like that uh you got to dive in your hand you gotta get your i mean you got to go in and get your do the work yourself the leg work and um luckily i've got people who in my district who want to help and want to do things so like you gotta have some people that any of you that are out there in martinsville if you ever hear this and you own a couple cows Cut up a couple cows, make some steaks, make some hamburgers for the Martinsville football team, put them in a freezer, and just, uh, you know, be able to pass them out through the year. You'd be doing your duty because these kids are going to get bigger and stronger, and you're going to have a better football team. There you go. I'm in. I co-sign it. (laughs) No, I love that because I think that's one thing. It's such a missing component because the whole philosophy, eat, train, fuel, you get that at the college level. Well, it's funny you talked about nutrition. Is I we went to uh, the Colts did a, uh, a a clinic for high school coaches about a year or two ago, and they, it was kind of cool. They had uh, uh, you know Baller talk for a little bit, then Frank Wright talked, and then they broke down to offense and defense coordinators each talk, and then position coaches. You went to different rooms at the Colts complex, and the last one was they had the strength coach and the nutritionist both there, and each like the strength coach was in one room, and the, and the nutritionist was in another. So. I was like, I'm going to go listen to the strength coach. I'm going to see what they do at that level to get bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. So we go in and we sit down and we're in there and he says, see that packet over there at the door? He said, uh, grab that as you leave. That's what I do with my kids this is, or the, the players. This is the workout they go through. But he said, none of this means anything if they don't get the right fuel in their body. Yep. He said, go listen to the nutritionist because it's more important than what I do. 100%. So I'm like, oh, wow. So we literally all, like, I mean, there was probably 100 of us. We got up, we walked out, we went to the other room that, they, that the yep. other 100 people were in. Yep. And this guy, like, he, he was waiting on us. Like, it was yep. something they planned, obviously. But mm-hmm. basically started talking about why the nutrition aspect of it was more important than even the training aspect. Yep. It's, it's huge. And, and there's a whole idea or even behind the injury reduction side that, you know, LeBron James isn't somebody that's made it famous, but there's this sense of what we call immunometabolism. And as soon as you start recovering, that's why you got the electrolyte drinks. That's why you, you know, you look at a high protein drink like a chocolate milk that's got calcium and all those other recovery elements in there because it kickstarts your metabolism, which helps to counteract some of those metabolic metabolites that are basically going throughout your, your blood system and they're causing 
you know, inflammation. They're causing a lot of these different things. So the eating process after training helps to reduce mm -hmm. that inflammation and helps to really build up the building blocks of the muscle that you're trying to create. And, and that repair process is so important. And that's why to me, it's like, you know, if there's a crusade that there is in high school sports, it's that. Like, how do you get the administration? How do you get like mm -hmm. what you're doing, locking arms with, you know, the cafeteria services to figure out how to serve these kids, you know, and make it more automatic for them so they don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I agree 100 percent. It's 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 kind of a waste if you've got a, a strength and conditioning program going, but there's no emphasis around nutrition. Yeah. And uh, that's why uh, Brad Howell is one of the best at what he does here. All those big words he was just throwing out that mean absolutely nothing to me. But see, it's people like him that, that help out coaches like us and do our job. But I just stutter three times until I can say the word the right yeah, way. There's so. a lot of words, that micro, <laughs> macro, all that stuff that was being thrown in there. So, yeah. uh, no, you know, it's it's, it's funny. I, I heard one of the, the that Colts co uh, strength coaches, you know, talked about, you know, I've got um, he said, at this level, I've got, you know, the, the highest of highest. I've got, you know, Lamborghinis and Maseratis. I don't, I'm not dry, I don't got Dodge trucks and, you know, F-150s. I got, I got the top of the line. Yeah. So the fuel that goes in their body needs to be premium fuel. Yep. It's not unleaded. It's premium. Yeah. And he talked about how, like, at athletes, you know, what you put in your body, that's what's going to make you go. That's huge, man. Well, you know, I, I've already taken enough of your time today, but, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. It's awesome just hearing, you know, just how passionate you are as a, you know, high school football coach. And it's been even more fun for me and, you know, having Miles now. I'm, he's excited about being a ball boy mm. at Martinsville coming up. I mean, he's talking about it now. Uh, he's going to be putting on the pads for the first time next year. Mm. So he's super excited. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for you and what you've got to build there in that Martinsville program. I know there's a lot of moving pieces in the flywheel that kind of have to happen in order to kind of, uh, you know, move the move the program in the right direction. But I know that, you know, you're the right person for it. And I know that you're a great leader. And um, congratulations on the completion of your first season as a head coach. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing you dominate here over the next several years. I appreciate that, buddy. We're glad to have you guys on the sidelines every game. Absolutely. Hopefully we won't have to wear any freaking masks next year. Hopefully so, more people be able to come. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> get your get your vaccines if you have an opportunity to get that. Uh, hopefully we'll have some herd immunity by the mm -hmm. fall. So uh, thanks again, Brian. Brian Duggar, Martinsville High School head football coach, uh, Indiana. And a uh, big thank you to him once again. And uh, for all of you out there, just appreciate you uh, listening in and, and tuning in every week. Again, you know, we have our, uh, you know, bi-weekly cadence with the, the weekly quick clip recaps that essentially give just quick sound bites to some of the uh, most important topics in some of our uh, full-length episodes. And then every Thursday we release a, uh, an interview or a conversation. And for this, this string, we really are, you know, focusing on having more conversations like this one with Brian to just bring more expertise and light into training, performance, and rehab. And, uh... Hope you guys will continue to, to listen and share the podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal. Be a Sports Squire.